Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I was like, piss off, mate. You trying to kill me? This is Emsolation. So they all buy a boat together and they pick up hot pirates. This thing ruts itself. A lot of reality <laughs> shows about vulvas. And you know what? I'm enjoying them. That stuff can get really ratty. And you can look like you got a dead spider on your eyelid, okay? I just go into the salt chumpy, you could carve it. You're in Emsolation. Mate, you didn't have the mask on your vagina. I don't understand. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for choosing us. It's me, it's Em Rossiano, your friend, your pal. Look, long-term listeners of this podcast, you guys know that we swing between very deep topics and very shallow topics, and I'm proud of that, and that's what I always wanted to make because that's life, isn't it? Being able to navigate the hilarious and the things that break your heart uh, is important and relevant and real. So today's going to be no exception especially in my intro. Later on, Michael and I are going to talk about Massimo from 365 Days' new swimwear line, which he's designing with his feminine essence. So (laughs) that's true. That's what the website says. We also talk about the US presidential election. Of course, Joe Biden has named a Veep. And we talk extensively about a new podcast we're obsessed with that has explored women's sexuality once they leave a long-term relationship. You know, maybe they're in their 40s. And they're worried, you know, that they're never going to get out there again or feel alive again. And we found a podcast where three women talk very openly about having this whole big sexual awakening in their 40s. And it was just, it's fascinating. So we deep dive on that. But what I really want to talk to you now about is mental wellness and mental health. And there's a trigger warning that's going to come for you because I'm going to be talking about suicide. This morning I watched a video from a farmer named Ross Madden and tragically a young man in his area took his life. And I'm going to play for you that audio. So I just want to give a big warning right now that we are about to discuss suicide and if that's something that you do feel will trigger you, that you don't feel up to listening to, that you just can't handle it, that you just, you just don't want to take in some heavy stuff now, totally cool. Just skip forward, skip right forward now and maybe come back and listen when you're feeling stronger and braver another time. But I did want to really give you a warning now just to skip ahead to Michael Lucas coming in and saying hello. So I'm going to play for you now Ross's video and um, I want you to hear his voice and I want you to hear what he has to say because he really summed up, you know, the idea behind writing stuff like Are You Okay and, and putting things online and on social media. But not actually following it up properly and him himself wishing he had followed it up. Have a listen to Ross. I might not have been thinking lightly because last night I found out a bit of bad news and it's really, really sort of got me real and I've taken a real sort of step backwards because I found out that a young bloke, a really good young bloke, had taken his life last Saturday. Now, we weren't best friends. I didn't know him really all that well but when we did catch up it was a bloody good yarn and we talked some pretty good shit so here I am thinking you know like everyone ponders around and bandies these slogans about like it's okay not to be okay and you know just talk and uh, if you if you if you're not feeling the best you know like ring a phone number so what happens when there's no one to talk to what happens when you're too proud to talk what happens when you try and ring Lifeline and there's an hour and a half, two hour wait? What do you do? Where do you go? If we all sat here and said, oh, you know, it's okay not to be okay and we've bandied all these friggin' slogans around long enough that everyone thinks it's, uh, it's all right, we'll just 
we'll post a little post and we'll um we'll throw a little thing around hashtag fucking okay not to be okay or whatever but it's obviously not working because all i'm saying is young country fella after young country fella falling off the perch you feel helpless there's nothing you can do about it and whether whether talking to him would have changed his mind or the other fellas I know whether talking to them would have changed him or not I don't know but I don't know maybe we could take this moment to think about oh you know Frank's just had a bit of a breakup or he's having a bit of a hard time with his missus or I don't know maybe maybe I should give Frank a call or I don't know. Is, is there somebody you think that you should call to do something about it? Don't put it on the back burner. Don't say you're too busy. Just bring a mate and, and see if you can make a difference. Because, yep, I sure would like to have done that. Anyway, be right. I think he's spot on. I think I've been guilty in the past of, you know, reposting things from Are You OK Day and talking about mental health, but not really doing the hard work of you know, as someone who, look, I've been open about my mental health, we now mental wellness issues, whatever you want to call it. And I've been lucky that I do have a good support network around me. And I do feel confident saying to my close friends, hey, I'm struggling, but not everyone does. Or sometimes like Ross said, they're too proud. They don't want to worry people. They don't want to burden people because everyone's going through it, right? But I think, you know, this is a real problem and this, this young boy is actually from an area where my family live, where I, I have family who are farmers and um, he was friends with my cousin and they've been through a lot in that area already. They've had the fires, of course, and then, you know, all the shutdowns for coronavirus and he's not the first young man to do it in that area. In fact, there's been a spate of them. So I guess what I'm trying to say to you is be aware of actually – walking the talk with the are you okay stuff, the reaching out to friends and family or to a workmate. And if you're someone who's listening now that this is really resonating with you and this is kind of sparking something in you and you feel like you need to reach out but you don't know where, there are a few places you can go. Now, Lifeline have been inundated this year. They've said that they've had more calls than ever. But the number for Lifeline is 131114. But the other thing that Lifeline have, which I think is an amazing idea, is the Lifeline text. Because, guys, as you know, sometimes it's fucking hard to talk. Sometimes it's really hard to put into words how crap you're feeling. And so if you can just text it to someone who will be there on the other end to help you work it out, I think that is such a great idea and disarming as well. So the Lifeline text, and it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is 0477 131114, just for those times when you're finding it hard to talk. And I guess, you know, there are lots of online courses that you can do to make yourself, I guess, more equipped at dealing and helping family members to deal with hard times because we don't all naturally know. So you go and you say to someone, how are you? And if they come back with, I'm really not well, I've been having some really dark thoughts. You know, it's tough to know what to say next, isn't it? One of our community actually told me this morning about a mental health first aid course that you can do. It's If you go to therumpus.com.au and it's a simple, practical first aid skills to help you support a family member, friend, co-worker or other person experiencing mental health problems. And I love the idea of mental health first aid. I think that's a great way to look at it. So anyway, that's um, I wanted you to hear those powerful words. You know, I, I just hearing him from Ross's mouth and, and the way he spoke them so beautifully in such a quintessentially Australian way 
I thought you all needed to hear. And remember, you know, reach out if you need to, but remember to actually reach out to others as well. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we do go everywhere, don't we? And on that note, it's probably time I bring in my offsider, my person, my support person a lot of the time, and I'm, I'm very lucky to have him. And he has me too, Mr. Michael Lucas. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right. I wish people could hear our pre-show meetings. Michael Lucas, hello. <laughs> because we almost deliver the entire podcast in about 45 seconds, but <laughs> unable to stop ourselves, no self-control whatsoever. And also we keep yelling at each other the same thing. Save it. Save it. Save it. Why? We need every time. We never learn. I know. Our friendship's really going to suffer because we can't, like, decompose on any decompose decompose not decompose <laughs> although some critics of the podcast might say <laughs> we don't have critics um decompress on subjects now i have to like stop myself from texting you or calling you on certain things like say that say that <laughs> but that's okay our friendship would just become us yelling that at each other. Say that. <laughs> but the roundup was we've got to talk about the fact that um, Joe Biden's announced a VP. There's shit going on in New Zealand. So we're going to do a quick news roundup at the top because we are your source for very important God breaking help news. you if we are us. We're your and source. And also, obviously, just briefly touching on Meghan Markle, Harry, you know, setting the record straight, their, their book coming out, Finding Freedom. Oh, my God, what a provocative title. But let's go first. So four active cases in New Zealand after they celebrated 100 days with a big to-do, big rah-rah-rah, <laughs> yeah. look at us, 100 days of just being cleansed of the Rona. Yeah, now they've got four, four wow. mystery cases. Well, is it a breach of quarantine, or has it been sort of floating around undetected, asymptomatic? For uh, that feels hard to imagine that it's gone that far mm. for a hundred days. So you, my money would be on some sort of quarantine breach at some, at some but point. How? Like did what? Well, but I don't we understand. Had them. Well, they've got people in hotels too. They've got the whole, you know, you're locked up oh. and people have to. So you know, it, same deal. Someone. I don't know, gets a bit too close to one of the quarantine travellers. Maybe. I don't know. Or, I mean, it is possible that it was floating around, given how what a high percentage of people don't have symptoms. It could have just mm. been floating around. But, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating <laughs> reaction from Australia because <laughs> I, I know. just I do feel like saying, come on, do, just take any smugness out of your eyes, Australia. So <laughs> much smugness. They've still oh, managed it much eyes. better than yeah. us. I have to say, and this is horrible, when I heard it, part of me did go, humph, good. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously I don't. I hope everyone's okay and it's all fine, but part of me did go, oh, well, I, I don't feel quite so bad. About <laughs> we are getting literally a hundred times the amount of oh cases just in our state alone. I know. But, um, sure. Imagine how excited we'd be if one day someone just said four. Like, oh. oh, my God. Oh my god! What? I'm going out for a run and I'm touching everyone. I I know. I mean, it was my first reaction, and then I, of course, said to myself, "Em, you're a terrible person." But when I did, when we did get the four cases through, I just did. I did. Honest. Just being honest. You had a little moment, guys. A little moment of, you know, they just celebrated a hundred days. Might have held back on that one. <laughs> I mean, the thing that blows my mind is you see all this coverage of it that sort of said Jacinda Ardern and then it's like, you know, it's only a couple of months out from the election. But like, honestly, guys, wh- what's, been, what's been her misstep in this one? I mean, she's been faultless, even with this. Like, how is she? 
She's done everything right. This has happened. Oh, my God. Her approval ratings are so high. I mean, I don't even want to speculate what it would take for her to not be the most popular prime minister in the history of New Zealand. I'm not going to because I don't want to jinx her. And how's the decisiveness on the, like, it's instantly, stay straight, right away, three days, we're doing it, and then we'll tell you what happens on Friday. It's incredible. Unlike us, back and forth and back and forth for months and then finally one stage and then another. It's great. It's just mum's come out. She's gone, go to your room for three days, all right, and we'll talk about it after that. Like she's just sent the country to their room collectively and that's why she's good. I love Jacinda. I don't love her social media posts where she's got poor lighting and you and I have argued extensively about that. Yeah. Um, you, you say you think it makes her more every woman and approachable. I'm like, I want my prime ministers to be well lit. Soz about it, not soz. Yeah. Okay. No, fair enough. I, I no, I understand your perspective, but I do. She is a real pioneer in the home yeah, FaceTime, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with. It. I love the ones she did at the start of their lockdown. I watched them, even though I wasn't in New Zealand. I just wanted to be sort of tucked in by Jacinda yeah. telling me about how the bubble works. <laughs> She's so likable. And if you try and think of the equivalent here, I mean, if ScoMo switched on a FaceTime, oh, <laughs> like even if That'd you're a fan of him, way. you don't want that. You don't. That'd want be that. the wrong way. He'd have to yell for his daughter to come and show him how to use the camera. Like, it would be a whole mess. Oh, so, yeah. and he'd he'd bung on some Australianisms that would just sort of make oh, you. God. You'd have to concede she's good at it. Like at least she's no, sort she's of. She's good. Yeah. But I, I feel like. Just go and find some light in the house. I want to see. I want to see you better. You know, like Madonna doesn't make a video without three gays buzzing around her holding lights. There's got to be a middle ground between that and pitch black bad angles. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I want a middle ground. Okay. Um, while we're in the world of politics, big news for us, maybe not so much for anyone listening right now, is that Joe Biden, who is the Democratic nominee for the presidential election happening in America in November, has announced a VP. <laughs> Kamala Harris. Yes. We tipped. I mean, I, I was just going to say I tipped Kamala. Yes. And once again, you're completely right. The only thing that was weird about it was it did feel very kind of obvious early on and then it was taking so mm. long and he blew his deadline. So for a second I'm like, oh, maybe maybe there's been a new up-and-comer that is, is challenging or maybe they found out some some aspect or maybe they just didn't click when they sat mm. down with each other because she did really go him in the debates. I mean. Oh, she basically called him racist. Yeah, totally. 100%. Like and she's that famous, you know. He that opposed, girl was me. Yeah, busing. Yeah, it, the education department mandating buses pick up kids to go to school, and she said, "Well, I was one of those kids that got bussed. I was that little girl." Mm. So you saying, you know, I shouldn't have been able to get to school. She had and the t-shirts printed ready to go when she delivered that line. She literally mm-hmm. sold merch of her attack of Joe Biden. But, <laughs> but I actually think it, it, you know, it makes me respect him that he's he's thought, yeah, you know what, I can take some criticism, and and I still think she's. She's good. I'm just worried. I'm worried. He's 78, you guys. I want everyone to think about 78. Do you know what I mean? The oldest, if he wins, he'll be the oldest US president in the history of presidents. Mm. And that, you know, the two terms, that takes him in well into his 80s. So while everyone's saying, you know, the Veep role is kind of ceremonial, she could she, she could, could well step in. I know. Yeah. And 78 is. I mean, that's considerably older than my mother. And I am have, you know, obviously enormous love and respect for my mother, but I don't necessarily want her to be the president <laughs> of the United States at the moment. At the moment. I mean, if we could squash it in no. so the hours are a bit less and she was still able to sit down with Gardening Australia and gin overnight, <laughs> then maybe we could talk. But I don't think that's how it works. Well, it does. Apparently, the current president gets up at 10, has a McFish, fillet of fish for for breakfast, and goes and plays golf for five hours. It could mm. work. It could happen, you know? <laughs> well, we'll see. What I do, I mean, that's our news roundup. 
I'll talk about Megan and Harry when I actually – Megan and Harry are releasing a book, right? And it's basically called Road to Freedom and I just think the title is so provocative and once I've read it, we'll talk about it. I'm going to review the book but I don't want to blow it now but that book is about to come out and I'm pretty excited. But hang on, did they write it or has someone written it and they thought that it was all – that they heavily influenced and it's basically their perspective? Have they officially written that, it? Yes. Oh, okay. No, they haven't written it. Royal Journalists. Um, have penned it, but I'm if I'm reading this wrong, I'm assuming they have contributed to it in terms of they've been interviewed, right? And this is the truth, mm. yeah. I think it is <laughs> very much sanctioned by them, yeah. I think I don't know. Either way, I can't wait for that season of The Crown. So, <laughs> what I'm most excited about, though, everyone, Emsolation listeners, is uh, I was alerted to, as we all know, Michaela Maroney from 365 Days is you know a favorite subject of mine. And I was pretty excited to learn that he has a clothing line. He does. So, yeah. And it's called Orumaroma. Orumaroma. It's really hard to pronounce. Yeah. Anyway, my favourite part of this clothing line is how they describe how what his design process is. <laughs> <laughs> So this is obviously Massimo from 365 Days. Here we go. Aroma Aroma was created from Michele Marone's intuition. So I'm assuming he just stood there and thought really hard about what he wanted these tiny bathers to look like. <laughs> and then a, a small Italian man stood there and caught his thoughts. <laughs> and just feeling like, you know, I just, I just wanted to cover her areola, but it could slip out at any time, you know. <laughs> That was a very bad attempt. It's been Indian then. Um, okay, I was like, it's <laughs> racist, except for the fact that you're Italian. I was trying to be Italian. Okay. Yeah. Week was created from Michele Marone's intuition, inspired by the ideal of solemn beauty as a symbol of ancient glories and mythology. He designed his first collection with the purpose of portraying his personal model of feminine essence. <laughs> in- <laughs> enhancing it in every aspect. I mean... Sign me up. Take all my money. <laughs> have you ordered some of this swimwear? Oh, uh, sadly, it doesn't have enough structural integrity for me. <laughs> so it's literally like one piece of lycra wrapped around the model's nipples. And then they're so high cut. I oh, think I would that have. that is. It's dazzling. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't help but zoom in on those pictures going, hang on, hang on. Well, the first thing I thought was, where do I put my flaps? There's not enough surface area of material for flap coverage. Flap to surface ratio, it does not add up. And when you go, I go and look, first I think my eyes watered. Then I thought I would pop a flap flat out. Like they're so high cut that it would be like I'm trying to think of what – I'm trying to think of an example in real life where something just oh, oozes it's, out. It's just basically like you'd be, honestly get more coverage from a bit of dental floss just not straight even. around pretty much. <laughs> I mean maybe – but I just, I do, I look at the, there's this, there's this whole fashion out there now of, of swimsuits that are just like impossible. I don't understand. You wouldn't be able to move. You wouldn't be able to do a strong breaststroke. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Let you wouldn't walk. be walk. Like, or, or what if you got into trouble in the surf? You just have to get naked to save yourself. Because <laughs> I just like, these are bathing suits for people who just lay on the beach and, and you can't even put on sun cream. Like it is, they're crazy. But if this is what... Michaela Maroney's intuition is telling him, I need to wear. You must I respect mean. it. 
He also has made, don't forget <laughs> that you've got the Aphrodite kimonos. And I also like what a cultural blend there. But I think so. I think the idea is you wear the kimono and then you arrange oh. yourself and then you take off the kimono and everything's all ready for Instagram. I don't. Oh. I think I think that's that's his concession to we know you can't move in this. So we'll give you a kimono. <laughs> but like some of the things I don't understand how they're actually standing up. I don't quite understand how scientifically the, the suits work. That's the, <laughs> Maybe he's had some sort of scientific breakthrough. He's defied gravity in some way. Well, well, who are we to say that his personal model of feminine essence is incorrect? Do you he, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's connected to something <laughs> elemental. We can all we all saw it. We all watched the yacht scene in Three Six Five D, and I. And also, let's respect. You know, when it comes to the precise not showing of genitalia he's oh. demonstrated that he goes so close that's oh his brand God. i'll go right, right up to the line you're so right that <laughs> is his brand top of peen he should have just called just a hint of peen i would have that's what the label should be called <laughs> just a hint of peen by michael Morone. oh my god amazing <laughs> this is He's yeah. He's bringing his 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 penis hiding know how to flaps and yeah. <laughs> and I hats off. I think the market's limited. If I'm honest, if I'm honest, oh, but dude, the market is yeah down to the women in those pictures. Like <laughs> that's it. The women in those pictures who clearly have very small vaginal areas. And well done, girls. Um, speaking of vaginal areas, we want to talk about something called a yoni whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> and this, I don't is, know. this is clearly we should just call this Vag Week because it is Vag Week, and what a time to be alive! Welcome to Vag Week. Look, it's always my mission to get vaginas forefront, as everyone knows. I am known as the vagina lady. Let's yeah. be honest. For I'll you, every week is Vag Week. Yeah, but this week particularly. Yeah, but we were <laughs> now. If you recall, the word yoni. This will be the third time the word yoni <laughs> has been used on this podcast. <laughs> Initially, it was the Yoni egg, which is the um, $500 jade egg that Gwyneth Paltrow wanted you to pop up your um, vaginal canal. Mm. Then we had the very famous dating show, kind of uh, Too Hot to Handle, where they had... Um, That's right. The woman come in and ask them to paint the essence of their Yonis. Oh, mm. I think Michael Moroni would have been involved with that. He'd love a bit of Yoni essence. And um, now we're talking about a Yoni Whisperer because Michael texted me and I think I want to directly quote the text, although I'd have to go back 9,000 years, where he said, I think I've reached peak middle-aged woman. I'm listening to a podcast about – how did you word it exactly? About <laughs> – I said something like about women who are in dead marriages that hit 40 and decided they wanted a sexual awakening and went out and got it. Something like I felt that. felt personally attacked, first of I all. I wasn't intending. I was not implying <laughs> anything about you. I just thought it was a topic that you would enjoy. I was finding it very compelling, especially because I- the previous Yoni examples that we've discussed were, <laughs> we they were sort of reality TV people that we don't necessarily yeah. identify with. But in this yeah. circumstance, the, the women that were a part of this sounded very much like the kind of women that we would know that yeah. went on their own Yoni exploration. Because a lot of the people listening to this podcast have had so many children that if you popped a, a Yoni egg up there, it'd just go missing for days, end up in your lower <laughs> intestine. You might poo it out. I don't know oh, if that's how that works. I don't know that. I don't know. God, I mean, so I've got some gaps in female biology, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> you never know. It's so messed up in there for some of us. It could happen. You never know. So this podcast, 
I listened to it last night and it's called, it is called Curveball. The club you didn't want to be a part of. And every episode there's a different club basically. Um, and the club we listened to was um, people, women having midlife sexual awakening. So they were in a club of they got to around 40 and thought that their vaginas were dead and broken and that they would never have good sex again. Basically. Yeah, and often and generally they were in pretty much dead marriages. Although one of them still loved her husband and stayed with him, which I found fascinating. Yeah, I also found her language around her husband really interesting. <laughs> He's on his journey. I've set him free. <laughs> <laughs> and the concept is it's sort of like they're all sitting there with one. These women don't know each other. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the experience in life that you never necessarily thought you were going to have, but you're here now. And, and so when they start chatting, you can see as it goes on, they're so excited to finally speak to someone who's had a similar sort of mm. journey as they have. So they started out sort of calmly offering their stories and by the end yes. they <laughs> Yeah, and by the – I mean, let's have a little listen. Here's, here's one of my favourite uh, passages from the podcast. I've just got to say one thing, like, about having this full-body orgasm that I swear went on for about 30 minutes. It was after having, like, this five hours of massaging, like, lots of conscious dancing and lots of kind of, like, connecting and stuff like that. But then, like, she just ended up doing this stuff about breathing into the body and, like, then she, like, started using, like, meridian points all the way down around my ovaries and then she kind of, like, went down and kind of went inside and she's like telling me to kind of like breathe and to pull up all this energy and then suddenly this kind of sense of a hundred million buzzing yellow honey driven bees started buzzing all the way around my pelvic bowl and then just started rising up throughout my entire body and it felt as though this buzzing orgasmic energy filled every single hole that had been in my life and it felt as though it just kind of sweetened out all of the bitterness kind of turned to sweetness. And so then my entire body just was enveloped in this kind of warm, amazing honeyness. And it was completely life-changing. Okay, so, you know, half-hour orgasm, changing of life. Good. I mean, I feel like we need to take it back. I want to take it right back to, so the three of them are sitting there anonymously chatting. Yeah, using nom de plumes, Tara, Amy, obviously fake names. Yeah. <laughs> Acknowledge. Acknowledging that it's fake names, yes. What would your fake name be if you were in the group? <laughs> I instantly went to Michelle, but then I realised that's probably a bit too similar. I haven't gone far enough. I just call myself Xander. It was the character in Buffy I, I closely identified with. Who would you? <laughs> you would just come in. I am. Um, you, you just call yourself Madonna or Chicone. No, what would you call? Oh, imagine Chicone. Chicone. Yeah. No, everyone would know it was me. I'll be like, I'd just say it was me. Let's be honest. I've already basically done a version of this podcast on stage. <laughs> I mean, pick your club. Multiple times. Really? Mm. I did hear myself in some of them. I mean, when you have been, oh, I don't want to. This is such a t- difficult topic to discuss without, you know, hurting people's feelings. When when I say people, I mean my husband. Um, <laughs> well, your valiant effort to keep that mysterious. Well done. Yeah. No, I mean, we've been together for 20, 20 years. You've we got a toddler. an 18-month-old son who sleeps in the bed with us at the moment. We are co-sleeping with him. Well, we start off the night with good intentions. He's in his cot. Great. And then about 3 a.m., Elio refuses to go back to sleep and so we put him in the bed with us. And that's how we kind of wake up every day. And we know that that's coming and I am tired. 
tired all the time. Scott's hot. There's no doubting my husband is a hot piece of specimen meat. No doubt. Mm. I mean, you've all seen the stationary cycling videos. You guys know what he looks like. It's great. <laughs> but for me, like I think, I think I've gotten to, like I'm 41 and I feel like I've given up on myself and I don't, I've put on weight in isolation and I'm tired all the time. And I do think as a woman, I don't feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm a guest on Oprah. I don't feel sexy anymore. I don't, I feel like. <laughs> it's really not going to help if I say you're still sexy to me. <laughs> no, please don't say that. It's really <laughs> and it doesn't count. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I don't know if anyone listening now understands what I mean. And I know this can happen to women at any age. I'm pretty sure they will, Em. I'm just going to go out and say I'm pretty sure they will. Everyone to some extent, especially people in a long-term relationship, know what it's like to not be feeling that sexual. But most yeah. people will just trundle on and not do anything about it forever. But I think that that's wrong. I think that I think as women, though, especially, we're told to kind of feel shame around wanting to be sexual, as we discussed earlier in the week with wet-ass pussy. Mm. And I just think... You know, uh, women get to a certain age and then we all just joke about, oh, our vagina's on life support, don't want sex anymore, I'm so tired, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's just a story we've been sold and it's something we're believing about ourselves. But, you know, our clitoris isn't dead. No. We're not. It's still there with all its nerve endings. And as these women prove, maybe the best years are ahead of you. That's certainly what they found. And, and also the other thing is the women on this podcast – it's they're not Cardi B. Like no. they're not they sound like people that are kind of similar to us that hit a point where yeah. they made a conscious decision of I wanna they literally said, I wanna have transcendent sex. I don't think I've had it. <laughs> I wanna have it. And they all went a different way towards getting it. And each one of them, I kind of think, well, I do that. Probably not. But I really respected them for doing it. Well, let's talk about the Yoni doulas. Mm. <laughs> we know someone that's gone to one. Mm. Can you explain what a yoni doula is? Well, you want to unlock like y- 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 your most th- most sort of thunderous orgasm that you possibly can, and <laughs> basically, I mean that's what it's about at the end of the day. Yeah. Although I don't guess I don't want maybe it's a very male centric thing to say it's all about the orgasm. It can be about the journey towards the orgasm, but Ugh. basically, if yeah. you if and, and these women talk about it as well that they they feel like uh, they're not particularly in touch with their bodies or even particularly in touch with what they like, even though they've no. got to forty and they've been sexually active for most of their adult lives. They, yeah. you know, they, and so the Yoni Dula helps you explore, I guess, all the erogenous zones of your body and yeah. inside and out mm. and, and, and helps to guide you to, to appreciating pleasure. And in some cases having, yeah, a thunderous half hour orgasm. That is, changed her personality. Yes. We, the orgasm was so convulsive that <laughs> literally people started, like she went out into the world afterwards and people mm. responded to her in a different way. It was like mm. there was a light sparkliness yeah. coming out of her because the <laughs> orgasm was so good. I mean, who doesn't want it? I, I also loved, I think that was the same woman who casually threw out this. I did do a week-long workshop, which was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. So you work in a group of eight to ten people. You live in the place together. You spend the first three days of the seven days doing exercises, dance and body-based and discussion and sharing and everything is stripped bare. And then you are naked for the next four days. Like there's a lot of dancing and getting out of your head and into your body as we're talking about. And then you work in groups of six and you give to one person for two hours It's actually a deeply loving, present experience because you might be pleasuring someone who you would not ever look in a bar and go, I want to fuck that. 
I mean, wow. There was a slow build on that. And I love how she didn't reveal they were then naked for three days after that and then they moved into massage circles and all of those things. That to me, I'm going to be honest, sounds like my worst fucking nightmare. To be to be naked for three days. In a- <laughs> to have to, like, she sounded like they were pleasuring strangers. Yeah, no, I've seen this. And I've, I, I remember watching Sex Life with Sophie Lee back in the 90s. I've seen these sort of camps and arrangements. I mean, it, yes, it's it's it's... Yeah, like when you stepped into that group, imagine the pressure of the first day when you all sit down. And you think I'm going to be naked with these people for so long, and I'm going to pleasure them. Like you'd, you'd really be looking around the circle. Going, but 100%. I feel the same way about going to a swingers party or something like that. You could you step into the room and you'd be like, okay, yep, all right, this is <laughs> this is what's happening. But then they, but I, but probably my main thing would be I'd be paranoid that they are thinking that about me. They'd be looking around, going, oh fuck, look at that guy. He's here, Jesus. He's really. <laughs> He's lowered the standard. We, Look, were sitting, went to we were sitting on a solid B plus average attractiveness and he's dragged it down to a C. I think if you went to like an exclusively gay male swingers party, I think there'd be a lot of pressure on body image. Oh. Like, I mean, like, I don't want to generalise yes. amongst the gay male community. I know we have a lot of listeners and, and I know not all of them look, you know, like tight, hard, but I do know through mainly exclusively hanging out with gay men that they feel a lot of pressure about the way they look physically, especially for things like grinder and when they go to parties. And so I imagine that would be pretty terrifying for gay couple to head into a gay swingers party. Jesus Christ. I don't see it happening anytime soon and I don't just mean because of the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) I know. What does the pandemic... Yeah, pity the swingers in the pandemic. I know. I mean, I feel like we should have... I'm going to seek out a sex doula for us to interview because I feel like we need to understand it more. (laughs) Totally. But it should be said only one of those women did a camp like that. The other ones uh, were... I mean, one of them might have been the same one. Was in the thing that blew my mind was she made the decision and she decided to take herself out dancing alone. She wanted to get more and she didn't want to go into the apps. The apps were available to her, but she was like, I want to go out dancing. And she even flew herself from Sydney to Melbourne and went out dancing. And I, 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 again, I think I would take a friend, but she made the conscious decision not Mm. to because Mm. she knew that the friend would be the safety blanket that would have held her back. And, and, Mm. um, and I, and I, yeah, I respected it. I respected it. <laughs> I know when I heard us talk about dancing by herself and then getting rejected as well. I know. Having yes. to deal with that. Yeah, I thought she was. I thought it was pretty cool. No, she was not the sex camp lady. She was a different lady. Okay. Um. Yeah. But I just think yeah, two of them were divorced, and, and but you know they spoke about so beautifully about worrying that because they were in their early forties and they were divorced after long relationships and they had kids, worried that they couldn't you know, come into themselves again. And it was really honestly uplifting to hear how sex positive they were and how they rediscovered something they just never thought could happen again. Because, you know, so many women get divorced and then end up feeling, you know, men move on quickly and then I know a lot of women kind of feel like they're, they're done. Like that's the best years of their lives are behind them and all we've got forward to look, look forward to is dry vaginas and menopause. Oh, and also... One thing that they picked up on that I've been aware of in, in you know, even in my social circles, it, it, the notion that older women are unattractive to younger men, it's oh, actually not true. Not true. I, yeah. And yeah. you look, 
the the women that I know in their forties that have gone on Tinder, have, like the main thing that they're found is kind of a bit of shock at how many guys in their twenties and thirties they yeah. that swipe right or left. God, I'm really out of touch, aren't I? Oh, swipe I right, know. right. Anyway, right, yeah. for them, I think culturally we've and it's often comes from women this sense that older women are unattractive, but it's actually like you know, frankly, even if you look at porn searches online, older mm. women are. A popular take. There's this weird myth that they're unattractive to younger men, and there's often. But even the term "older women" like piss off. Oh yeah, no. Well, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> adult women are unattractive, and frankly, that's what it is. It's like basically, if you look like an yeah. adult, you're under, you're supposed to look like a yeah. young Kardashian sister or something like that. But um, but yeah, in 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 the experience of lots of friends I've had, it, and I even find writing drama, you'll start to write, you know, potentially a, a woman in her forties having um, an affair with someone in their thirties. And you, mm. you encounter like all these people questioning it deeply, but mm. the fact of the matter is it, it happens. And, and they detail really well what those younger guys like. And, and often mm. it is, you know, frankly, because there's a lot less pressure for them. Um, mm. You know, they, there's not the sense that these women are just you know, often if it's with a woman their own age, then they're they're thinking, oh, she wants to have kids, and this is just a stepping stone towards that. Whereas the older woman has potentially had kids and everything. There's Which is kind of gross. The whole that whole I know, notion. Yeah, it's that not. I'm not saying it's all altruistic and beautiful, but nonetheless, women in their twenties and thirties are just trying to tick boxes. I mean, hopefully, and I know with my daughters especially, that notion is flipped on its head. Like. That is not – that the idea that a woman has this path that she must take, that she's got to, like, go – it's different now. Like, you've got to go to uni, then you get the killer job, and then you meet the dude, and then you get married, and then you have the kids, and then you manage to have, somehow balance it, and then that's it. You're set for the next 20 years. Yeah. And that notion is hopefully, hopefully being challenged that that is not the end game. You don't have to tick the boxes to be a successful woman. No. And that's why I liked this podcast, um, and we'll put a link to it so you guys can all listen to it. And also, um, all it, the episodes aren't about – no, <laughs> oh, but it's, it's about miscarriage or it's about yeah. be, being put in a mental hospital. That was that's one of my other really favourite ones because you know you you never think something like that's going to happen to you. And and they yeah. spoke to three women that were in that position and it was riveting. There's a few clubs that I can belong to on that podcast. I've been in a private mental facility. I've had a miscarriage. Uh, I, former reality I, star. She hasn't done that show yet. Yeah, my my vagina does feel perhaps that it's seen better days. Um, <laughs> The club, spiritually. the club for women whose vaginas have seen No, that. no, no. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. Oh, like, yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I'm pretty happy with, you know, how she functions. She's great. We're great mates. But I think, I think she's a bit oven. sad. Yeah, self-cleaning oven. I just think she's a bit sad. I think she's a bit tired. I think, you know, she's probably just needing a bit of a rest. She's hibernating. I've got a hibernating vulva. And once that's over. No, um, honestly, your vagina, it's Madonna in the American life era. She's just yeah, about say. confessions on the dance floor is coming out soon. That's what I think. Oh, okay. I'll tell yeah, her Yeah, she's going to have another massive global hit pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be in a pink leotard before you know it. Oh, she she does miss the days of having a pink leotard shoved up her. It's been a long time since we've Does done she? That. Oh, <laughs> Can yeah. she be reached for comment about that? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say to anyone listening now, and I don't know, it's because I've been in, we have been in this pandemic for so long, especially in Melbourne, and it's been six months of kind of, if I didn't have to go on the project once every, you know, one or two weeks, I just think I would be, you know, be hidden, buried under a pile of comfortable clothing. I just wouldn't leave the house 
at all with hair everywhere and skin and like rashes and horrible things. Often I jump in and say, you're being too hard. You're underestimating yourself. I actually think that's probably true. I do think yeah, that the project you. is keeping you to some sort of level of. Socially acceptable uh, public appearance. This is uh, a woman that can really do a couch. She can really do it. <laughs> Long term, she's very specific about the couch and about what is in within reach of her on the couch: the devices, the food, the wine, the gin. I think that we need to interview the Yoni Whisperer. I think that we're rounding this out in that. Go listen to this podcast, um, the Midlife Sexual Awakening Awakening version of Curveball, the club you didn't um, want to be a part of. We didn't want to be a part of. And um, if you, you know, if you're feeling like maybe your vulva's in hibernation. As Michael said, perhaps it's just in its, you know, folk album era <laughs> of its career. Maybe it's Gaga's Joanne, you know? Yeah. And then, and then just get ready because Chromatic yeah. is around the corner. Oh, you and know? you're even going to have Bradley Cooper before you get there. So Thank God. Oh, good. I'll let her know that there's a Bradley Cooper around there's the corner. There's a real thing her. in that. Which diva is your vagina? <laughs> <laughs> Was it a one-hit wonder? Oh, you know the joke. I want to make a joke and say a diva who's passed on, but I won't because that's not very good. But that's who my vagina is. Insert insert dead diva. (laughs) (laughs) She had a great career. She had a sparkling. Everyone loved her and then she died. Did she die in a bath? Michael! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, look, better that than you could have been like Colette ring my bell. Like, you know, there was just a brief little flare up early on and then nothing. Maybe. Maybe. And I, and this podcast did give me hope that of course, and of course women have their sexual peaks in their forties. Remember? Remember reading that? These women are living proof of that on this podcast. I'm Mm. just glad that I have a, you know, a male best friend that I can discuss the death of my flaps with. (laughs) Can liken it to Madonna and I feel much better. And that is the crux of this podcast. (laughs) We've really been on a journey. I think it's one of our longest ones anyway. Who cares? I've enjoyed it. Oh, shit. I've got to interview Rob Mills. All right. I've got to go. Okay. Uh, All right. Thanks for the chat. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. Okay. Well, that's it. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. God, we do cover a broad range of topics. I know I say that all the time, but today was no exception. I was in a bit of a mood. I apologise for that. I record the podcast at different times of the day and I had a bad night last night, as you heard. And if you watch me on social media, you know I did. And then I wake up in a grump and I recorded the podcast in a grump and I'm sorry. I annoyed myself today. But um, I wanted to let you know that on Friday we have a very special edition of the podcast. We interviewed Asha Ketty, who of course starred as Dr. Nina Proudman on the beloved Australian dramedy, offspring, comedy, drama, comedy, dramedy. Yeah, that's a drama, comedy, dramedy. It's not a, I don't like the word. I put the word dramedy up there with like webinar. (laughs) Anyway, she's great. Asha Ketty, amazing, of course. Michael and I interviewed her. It's been 10 years since the first episode of Offspring aired. Incredible. Can you believe it? 10 years. Asha couldn't. She was wonderful. She was gorgeous. She was very generous. And she never gives interviews because she's super classy like that. And yet somehow allowed Michael and I to worm our way in. So enjoy that. That's going to be out Friday morning. First thing, a big treat for all you Offspring fans. She talks about her chemistry with Matt Lenevez. 
She talks about when she first heard the storyline where Patrick would be leaving us. I mean, I've never heard her talk about those things before. So I was genuinely, you'll hear me, Michael's all like, yeah, I totally worked on the show and very professional and I just turned into super fan. But I felt like it was my job on behalf of a lot of you to turn into super fan and ask the super fan questions. (laughs) All right, guys, look after yourselves. You know, I hope you're all okay. I'm up and down, as I'm sure a lot of you are, and I think as long as we're all okay with knowing that, you know, it's not going to be sunshine and roses all the time. Take the small wins, find the sun to sit in if you can, and uh, we'll chat soon. Bye, guys. A Podcast One production.